0: This morning, uh, go ahead and take them in your hand and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 1. The book of Acts, sometimes called the Acts of the Apostle or the Actions of the Apostles, chapter 1. The book of Acts is the history book of the early church, and it's really fascinating history. Some people are, you know, they really don't care much for history, but really, uh, the history book of the church is talking about stories, true events that happened a long time ago and continue to happen today. Uh, I have been calling this series of messages, Get Serious, Get Serious, and, and uh, how in, in, in light of what has been happening, particularly in our nation, I've, give you, I've given you some facts and figures. Over the last 20 years, in light of where our society presently is, and also looking forward in times of great transition um, and in times of great uncertainty, we really need to know what we're all about. The church, the body, the gatherings of believers. In times, let me say it again, in times of great transition. And in times of great uncertainty, and we are certainly in those kinds of times, we need to understand and we need to know what we are all about. What are we all about? And for the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at this, this this getting serious, and we've looked at getting serious about the cross, how we are people that really ultimately have only one cause, and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. We can have a lot of opinions about a lot of things and feel strongly about them, but as followers of Jesus Christ, we need to come together on this very simple thing, and that is Jesus Christ, the sinless Son of God, died on the cross, rose from the dead, and became the sacrifice for our sins, glory to God. There is no other way to heaven but through Him. A couple of weeks ago, I... I mentioned that somebody came up to me and said that statement that Jesus told was the boldest statement in in all of time. I agreed with him that when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. There is only one thing that we're called to and that is the cross of Jesus Christ. And how we need to, secondly, we talked about how we need to get serious about our walk with Christ, that Jesus did not simply save you to call you a convert, but he desires to make every one of us a disciple, a close follower of Jesus Christ who becomes like him, who who walks as he directed us to walk, and then we pass it on to the next generation so that they too can be disciples. That's what we're called to be. And we need to really get serious. There are some people that say, yeah, I gave my heart to Jesus, but they really, their lives do not identify the, 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 the claim that they have of faith in Jesus Christ, that if, 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 if we are truly saved, we're going to walk differently. Last week, we were talking about how we really need to get serious about the gathering of believers, how, how it's important that when Jesus, when we came to Jesus, we also came into fellowship with other believers, that you are a part of a gathering of believers for a reason, not simply to come and, and listen to a message and maybe sing a couple of praise songs and then leave, but we become a part of a gathering of believers so that we can minister to each other, so that we can serve each other, so that we can offend and then forgive each other. We don't come together to offend, but that happens, but we're called to do all of these things. And I made this statement last week. You cannot be what Jesus called you to be as a follower of his unless you are a part of a gathering of believers. You say, well, you mean you're saying I need to be a part of a church to be a Christian? You can't fulfill what the Bible calls us to do as Christians outside the context of other believers. This is what we're called to. Being a part of a church is something very important. Be a part of a gathering of believers is essential to our growth moving forward. And we really need to get serious about that. Some of you are not, and, and maybe some listening, you're not. You're not a part of a church. Maybe some of you who are listening, you, you've just kind of been taking part in 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 this and and and, and you live in a, a far different there are a lot of people in a lot of different places. I encourage you get become a part of a gathering of believers. You can still watch us that 's fine, but become a part of a gathering gathering of believers where you are so important Here in Acts chapter one, you have it in front of you. The book of Acts chapter 1 records a time of great transition. I mentioned that we need, during times of transition and and uncertainty, we better know what we're all about. We're in a time like that. Well, this was a time, in some ways, very similar to where we are now. Acts 1 records a time of great transition, and and for the first disciples, those, those first disciples, it was a time of great uncertainty. You see, Jesus was returning to heaven. Jesus was going back to be with his father. And almost everything that Jesus had planned to do was done. Jesus had called and taught and trained his disciples for about three years, for about a thousand days, maybe a little bit more than that. Jesus taught and trained and corrected and and brought them closer to him, made them dependent upon him. He had done all of that. Most importantly, as I mentioned a moment ago, Jesus had died on the cross and he rose from the dead. There are no other two events in all of history separated by just a few days from each other, no other events in all of history that even come close to what happened with Jesus' death and resurrection. He had accomplished that and now he was about to return to heaven. He's speaking to his disciples and before leaving them, He told his disciples, here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, those words will and will be are speaking of the future, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. For just a moment, I want you to imagine concentric circles. Jesus said you're going to to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, that's a city, and in Judea that's a a, a region, Uh, Samaria is a bordering region, and then to the ends of the earth, to, to every other place. He says you will be my witnesses in all of those places. Jesus said that his spirit, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit would come on them and would reside Within them. Do you see it there? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. In other places, it says, comes within you. So while Jesus was about to leave them, he was not leaving them alone. He, he was sending them into, he was about to send them into the world, into all of the world, but he was not sending them without power to overcome the world. That's very important. He was sending them into the world, but not without first giving them power to overcome the world. They were about to enter a battle, a battle bigger than they had ever anticipated. They were about to enter a battle, but only after the Holy Spirit had come upon them. Jesus was getting them ready. He said, something big is about to happen, but before you go, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. I want you to wait for him, and when then you receive him, then you are to go and be my witnesses throughout the world. It's getting them ready. Great transition, and for the disciples, a time of great uncertainty. Well, shortly after this statement The Bible tells us that Jesus ascended into heaven. He physically went up into heaven. And the disciples, it says, returned to Jerusalem, the the, the city where the temple was, the the Jewish temple, and with others, it says, they began praying and waiting for Jesus' promise. They began praying and waiting for Jesus' promise. But we fast forward a few verses in about 10 days. About 10 days later, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, read this way. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. It says they, one place, we know from elsewhere, it was about 120 people gathered together in one place. It's a lot of people, 120. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. and They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance. In other words, as the spirit spoke through them, they said these things. So His spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's spirit that Jesus had promised, had arrived. That's what What, what Jesus had said 10 days before just happened here in Acts chapter two verses one through four. And from that day forward, notice there the, the third v- word in that, in that verse one says when the day, it was a particular day, it was 50 days after, uh, after Passover, which was called Pentecost. Uh, on that day, on that day and from that day forward, the world would never be the same. Beginning on that day, the world would never be the same as they became very serious about the person of the Holy Spirit. They became very serious about the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me just, a little bit of teaching here. Do not refer to the Holy Spirit as an it, but a who. Uh, the Holy Spirit is a person. It's the third. He is the third person of the Trinity. He, the Holy Spirit, is a person. Now, before this day... It's not like, oh, we need to come up with a third person of the Trinity. No, he had always been there. In fact, before this day, the Holy Spirit was present, had been present all the way back to creation, where it says in Genesis chapter 1 that the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. The Holy Spirit was always there. Before this day, Pentecost Day, Before this day, the Bible records God's Spirit occasionally empowering select people. There are a number of places in the Old Testament where it says the Holy Spirit moved upon people or came upon them to do extraordinary things. I think maybe one of the best known examples would be the example of Samson. Remember that guy in the Old Testament in the book of of Judges who would do extraordinary feats of strength. And whenever he's, and I've pointed this out before, whenever he is portrayed, Samson is portrayed, he's usually a really muscle-bound guy, but he wasn't at all. He really, I promise you, he was not muscle upon muscle because the people at that time couldn't understand where his strength came from. His strength came when the Spirit of God would move upon him to do these extraordinary uh, physical things. It was the Spirit of God. That's one example from the Old Testament. But here's the thing. There aren't many examples in the Old Testament of the Spirit of God coming upon people. Some people have numbered it differently. Some 60-something or 70-some times where it says that God's Spirit moved upon people. But when you look at the, the depth and the breadth of the Old Testament, that's not that many people. Less than 100 certainly far less than a hundred that are recorded. But on this day, on this day, in Acts chapter 2, it says God's Spirit began dwelling within many people. With that verse before you, let's go ahead, can we go back to that verse for just a moment? I, I want you to notice that verse. Notice that he filled the entire house it says he, infi- he filled the entire house. It says the Holy Spirit rested on each one of them. And it says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone in the room was filled with the Holy Spirit. Everyone. No exceptions. If you were in the room, you were filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, again, before this day, there there were a, a relative handful of people, but now there are more people filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit in one moment than in all of the Old Testament combined. It was a powerful day. It was an extraordinary day. Before that day, few people had heard about Jesus in their own language. But on that day... Later on in this chapter, it says that when the 120 believers left that place, people outside the room began hearing about Jesus in their own language. It was a remarkable day. Weeks before this day, you remember this, weeks before this day, one of the disciples, Peter, had been afraid to identify with Jesus. Remember that? About 50 days before, Peter had been repeatedly questioned, are you a part of this group of Jesus? Are you with him? And on three occasions within a short period of time, Peter denied having anything to do with Jesus. But it says here that on this day or later on on this day, Peter boldly declared to a massive crowd that he belonged to Jesus. That's a a remarkable transformation in a small period of time. Before this day, before this day, when people, one of the people who had questioned him was a little servant girl. I mean, just a little servant girl. You talk about somebody that's not gonna do a whole lot. And he said, No, I don't have anything, but now on this day, now on this day, he stands before thousands of people. And he says, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am with him, and let me tell you about him. And he preached to them. What a day. What a day. Before that day, relatively few people had followed and heard about Jesus. But on and after that day, thousands, the Bible says that thousands of people came to him. Let me give you a quick example. I won't go through the whole book of Acts. But let me just give you a a couple of examples of how people heard about Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, it records how a crippled man heard about Jesus and was healed by Jesus. In Acts chapter 5, religious leaders heard about Jesus. In Acts chapters 6 and 7, a hostile, murderous mob heard about Jesus In Acts chapter 8, a spirit-filled Christian led a complete stranger to Jesus Christ, and that complete stranger who now knew Jesus Christ went back and proclaimed Jesus to the people of his homeland. In Acts chapter 9, a man who had persecuted Christians became a Christian. You see, this is the power of the gospel, Before that day, the message of Jesus' death and resurrection was limited to a small area. I did some figuring one time a long time ago that in the Gospels, the message of Jesus, the furthest out from Jerusalem, the furthest distance away from Jerusalem that Jesus' Gospel was heard was 120 miles. That's it. That's the only one that's recorded as far out as 120 miles. But after that day, after that day, when the Holy Spirit came and began empowering, not just 120, but thousands and thousands and thousands of people, after that day, Jesus' message surged forward and by that century's end, by the end of the first century, it had spread thousands of miles in every direction confirmed. What an amazing day. What an amazing day. The, in fact, the, the birth that's regard the birth of the church, that is the body of Christ, is, is generally acknowledged as it, that was the birthday of the church. It's when God began to do an amazing thing in people's lives, drawing them together, not just a a handful of followers, not just a few disciples, not just 120, but thousands and thousands and thousands. And what made the difference? The person of the Holy Spirit. Beginning that day, beginning that day, Christians were empowered by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus. People were empowered by the Holy Spirit to tell others about Jesus And people were empowered by the Holy Spirit to work miracles in the name of Jesus. You see, the world changed as spirit-filled and spirit-empowered Christians took very seriously what Jesus called them to do. I must say that again. The world began to change dramatically the world began to change in profound, unprecedented ways because spirit-filled Christians understood their dependence, their utter dependence upon the power of the Holy Spirit to do what Jesus had called them to do. And they, like those first disciples, would not go out until they received all that God had for them. That's why they made a difference. That's why they made a difference. Yet in time, followers of Christ began to operate as if Holy Spirit power was no longer essential. Over the course of time, and it can be documented in church history, not in the book of Acts history. But in church history, we see how people continued to carry forward the name of Jesus Christ, but they began to view the power of the Holy Spirit as something optional. They may have not stated it, but they operated as if that was not necessary. Some even went so far as to say that the message of the gospel is best move forward with military force. The, the way to do it is to capture people and at the point of the spear say, this is you will accept Jesus or else. That happened. And they began to, to push aside the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. Instead of considering Him as someone who is uh, who who is essential, they began understanding him as optional. And in time, Pentecostal fire became an event in history, while fewer Christians had the fire of Pentecost within them. And in the history books, the church history books, you see the church experience spiritual drift. In the history books of the church, you see people getting off base. You see people trying to move the gospel forward without the means of the person of the Holy Spirit. Today, today, now, many years later, how many of the challenges around us How much of the spiritual drift in our nation in recent years and recent decades, as I've cited in previous messages in this series, how much of what we're facing right now, how much of the spiritual apathy, how much of the spiritual confusion, how much of our world, the the very fiber of our society has been affected because we have not taken seriously the power and the person of the Holy Spirit? How much of what we have around us is because we have failed to understand that we must be people who are absolutely and profoundly desperate without His power. And yet still today, still today, See, this, this, is, this is one of the fundamental things that I, I, I want to bring every week. That everything, everything that is recorded here, God does desires to do right here today in our lives. I, 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 I want you to stop looking at the Bible when you read it as only something that happened a long time ago for select people. But what Jesus did... And what those early believers did then, God desires to do now through His people. You see, the Holy Spirit, He still empowers us to live for Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live for Jesus. Listen to this. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. Paul wrote this to fellow Christians. He said, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who indwells you. What does that mean? It means we need the power of the Holy Spirit... The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the. Do you know that the resurrection, the details of the resurrection, are not recorded in Scripture? We don't know what it was like in that tomb that Jesus' body had been placed. It, it does not record the very moment of the resurrection. When we know that he was resurrected because, you know, they came, the tomb is empty, the angels declared that he was alive told the disciples, but, but, but here's, here, this is the only insight that we have. In that tomb, as Jesus' lifeless body was there, it says it's the, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead. Maybe when we get to heaven, we'll see the replay of the actual moment of the resurrection. But the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the Bible says dwells in us, and He changes our mortal bodies. He changes how we live, how we think, what we do, where we go, and how, how we do it. <laughs> he changes us, the Spirit of God. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, right? Remember, very few people in the Old Testament well, did the Holy Spirit ever move. But now, the, the Spirit desire, he, he desires to dwell within us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I've shared my testimony with some of you. I won't share it now, but I came to Christ when I was a boy. Don't, it was, I was so young, I don't remember. But when I was 17 years old, I'd been a follower of Jesus Christ for a long time. But there were some things that were really hanging up in my life. There were some things that I kept falling to. When I was 17 years old, I was filled with the Holy Spirit. It was was something I had never experienced before, but I remember the power of God coming upon me. And from that day, I saw remarkable changes in my life. Why? Not because I was suddenly a, a more enlightened person, but because the power of the Holy Spirit was, with, was within me, and I had a power beyond myself, beyond my personal disciplines, beyond my, my self-control or lack of it, something beyond me, someone beyond me who empowered me to live better for Jesus. He helps us live for Him. There are some of you that keep falling. Some of you that keep giving yourself to something. You're saying, why do I keep going back to that? Well, I tell you, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God who will empower you in how to walk. He's for today. You want to see a difference in your walk? Experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit like you've never experienced Him before. The Holy Spirit still empowers us as He did with those first believers. He empowers us to tell others about Jesus. And again, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we read it a few minutes ago, it says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The, the, The task was great, uh, and, and they began doing it they began taking the message out one group after another even the Samaritans that are the people of Samaria that are, are referenced here they were hated by Jews Jews just didn't even walk through that area but but Jesus made it clear that I'm my spirit is going to empower you to tell even the people that you don't necessarily like sometimes we get the idea that I have to like them before I take the gospel to them man if they need Jesus they need Jesus. Period, and let me tell you, the job is not done. It says it, they, they were told where to start, but they weren't to finish until it was throughout the earth. There are people that will say today, and maybe you've heard it, maybe you've even believed it, that 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 these things were only for that time. That the Spirit of God doesn't move upon people and empower people today like He did back then. But you know what? The the the. The, 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 if Jesus gave us the, the, the directive to go to all of these places, even to the end of the earth, then I have to believe that the Spirit is, not, is going to stay with us and empower us until we've gone to the end of the earth. And as we take the gospel out, the Holy Spirit goes before us and prepares us and speaks through us and empowers us and encourages us to do what Jesus called us to do. The job isn't done yet. We need His power. We need His presence. By His Holy Spirit, Jesus still empowers us to trust Him for extraordinary things. In Mark chapter 16, Jesus said, again, another statement that Jesus made just before ascending into heaven. In Mark 16, Jesus uh, said that His followers would, in His name cast demons out of people speak in new tongues be supernaturally protected from harm and pray for sick people and they would recover you see we believe we believe and a lot and millions of others around the world still believe believe that God still does this kind of work that as long as there are demon possessed people the Holy Spirit gives us power in Jesus' name to cast them out. That there are ways in which we can pray that are beyond our, our personal means. In just a few weeks, I'm going to be sharing about the, how, how we need to get serious about prayer. And, and, and that needs to be such an essential thing in our life. Boy, I tell you, almost every day, I spend time praying in the Spirit in a language that I do not understand. But I pray and I believe. And when I come out of those kinds of prayer times, I am strengthened and I am empowered. Why? Because I'm praying in the Spirit. We need to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and who are praying, and who are believing like never before. We need to be people who, when we are faced with harm, we say, but Jesus said, I am supernaturally protected, that I will, if a snake bites me, we don't go handling them on our own, but if a snake bites me, I'm going to shake that off into the fire. I'm going to shake it off, and I'm not going to be damaged. As I'm walking through life, as I'm as I'm, as I'm doing what God called me to do, then, then, then if somebody tries to poison me, I will not die because I'm doing the work of God. We believe in the supernatural power of Jesus Christ today. Do we really believe that God can protect us from whatever there is out there? If we are walking in His plan, I do. I believe it because Jesus said so. We can pray for sick people and they will recover. There are places that proclaim the name of Jesus, but when someone is sick, they say, oh, I'll just pray for you that you'll be encouraged. I pray for people, I pray for people to be healed and encouraged. It doesn't always happen. I don't know exactly why, but I know this. He called me to do it. I I have a, a close friend who is hospitalized. He's Part of a church that, 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 that says that these things are not for today. And I saw my dear friend in the hospital. And I, I went and I prayed with him. <coughs> this is some time ago because, because I haven't prayed with anybody in the hospital for a long time. But, um, but, but I, I went and prayed for him. And I, I, I knew how he felt. I didn't care. I prayed for him anyway. And he got better. Glory to God. Not because of me, but because of the power in the name of Jesus. Jesus said, you will do these things in his name. People, we need the power of Pentecost. The numbers show us that we, that is the church of Jesus Christ in this world today, the numbers seem to indicate that we're not doing very well. When we're facing uncertain times, and we're certainly in uncertain times, When we're in times of transition, and of course, we're always in times of transition, but perhaps even more so now, we need the power of Pentecost. There are tremendous challenges around us. There are great challenges ahead of us. Folks, I live with tremendous optimism, and I live with tremendous faith, and I do not give in to fear. But I will say this. I will say this, there's some enormous changes in our culture ahead of us, but glory to God, the church of Jesus Christ will prevail. Satan will try to defeat it, but the church of Jesus Christ will prevail in the power of the Holy Spirit. With these challenges around us and the challenges ahead of us and the transitions that we, whether you like it or not, will experience, we need more of the power of the holy spirit than ever before. People's needs around us are enormous. The one question I've probably been asked more than any other in my many years of pastoring is pastor, how do you deal with all of the the hurts of people? And I say my my response is is very is very quick. I cannot do it in my own strength, but only in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only through His Holy Spirit is, is how I'm empowered to do what God has called me to do. There's hardly a day that goes by that I, I don't see somebody in some of the greatest pain and some of the greatest struggle in their life. But glory to God every day I say, Lord, I'm trusting you for greater things. The needs of people around you. Some of you, the needs are right within yourself or within your family. And they're so enormous. But glory to God, we can operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's for today. This message is for today. This power is is for today. The person of the Holy Spirit is not simply a tagline at the end of, God the Father, God the Son. The person of the Holy Spirit desires to come upon us. Don't look at the book of Acts as simply a a history book, an event, a recording of an event or events of a long, long time ago. But with every line, I want you to look at that and say, Jesus, what you did there, do here. What you did in that group of people, do in this group of people. Lord, I need you, and I need more of you, and I need more of you power of his holy spirit although some have neglected him the power of his holy spirit has never wavered it has never diminished in fact as we get closer to jesus's return we can be confident that god's spirit is doing an even greater work you see on that remarkable day the disciple named peter speaking to an enormous crowd of people, quoted the prophet Joel in the Old Testament. And he said this, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth My Spirit upon all mankind. When we talk about last days, well, we're in it's been the last days for the last 2000 years since Jesus said that he was going to return, but I think we're closer to the last days than they, we've ever been in these last days. I I'm not naming a date. I wouldn't be so foolish as to say that. I won't say it's within a period of time. I won't be so foolish and unbiblical as to say that, but I will say this. Jesus could come at any moment. And I'm saying, Lord, as we get closer to that day, that day when you return, pour out your Spirit. May, may the words of Peter and the words of Joel, the Holy Spirit that prompted them to say or to write that, may, may you continue to pour out your Spirit upon all mankind. This gives me tremendous hope because the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be spread further, and faster than, than He has ever been spread before. Glory to God. But I want it to start with me. I want it to start with me. I desire more of him. Folks, we are in a battle. We are in a battle. We are in a battle, a spiritual battle that at least in my lifetime has has, is unprecedented. But I have great confidence in knowing that, Lord, if you empowered them, then you can empower me. So, Lord, do it. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you experienced what those believers experienced? Can you say yes, I am filled with the Holy Spirit, and the the things that they believed for i 'm believing for you Say well, how does that happen it 's very simple. you say lord i 'm asking you to give the promise that you gave to them to me, and i 'm going to wait for that, and i 'm going to pray for that. The Bible records that For about 10 days, they were waiting and praying. I'm not exactly sure. No one is sure why there was a 10-day period of time. But I do know this, that as people gathered together and they prayed together and they trusted God and they waited for His promise and they refused to go out and do what God had called them to do until they received that, then He gave them that gift. This morning, I want you to receive that power of the Holy Spirit upon you to empower you to do what God has called you to do. I'm going to ask you to stand, if you would, across the sanctuary by standing where it's not the very end of the service. In just a few moments, our worship team is again going to lead us in a song and um, we're going to open up these altars for prayer. If you're not in a place where you can kneel down and you just want to remain where you are, you certainly can. And please also understand this, if you absolutely need to go, then feel free, then you just go. But for a few minutes, at at the least for a few minutes, I want us to, to just say, Lord, do what you desire to do in me. Some of you are watching online, and we're very grateful that you're engaging with us during this time. Whether you're listening to this going down the road or watching it live stream or later on in a recording, I want you to understand too that you don't have to be here in this room to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, there are going to be some of you here that you go to different places and you are praying and and the Holy Spirit will come upon you in a way like you've never experienced before. He desires to do that. He desires to do that. He desires to empower you like you've never been empowered before. He desires to do things in you that are unprecedented in your life. It will happen as you seek Him as you ask him to come in and fill you and then get ready some way, some place it's going to happen and it's going to be a wonderful thing I shared with you earlier I was 17 when that happened my life has never been the same from that July day a long time ago but I want that for you in a few moments we're going to close in prayer we're going to sing a song We're going to open these altars. If you need to go, God bless you. This service will will be done at this point. Uh, But I want you to seek the Lord. So if you want God to fill you with his Holy Spirit, just remain where you are for a while or come to these altars. Let's do this. Lord, I thank you for this place and these people. In moments ahead, as we go from this place, I pray that we would leave as spirit-filled believers. People who have been empowered like never before to do what you've called us to do. Lord, if we've struggled, fill us with your spirit to make us stand, help us stand. If we've wavered in sharing you with others, Lord, we need the power of your Holy Spirit to do what even timid people like Peter had been unable to do so Lord meet us here in this place later on Lord again we ask that we will go in your power and in your presence there's a world around us to change and we need you thank you Lord for meeting us here this day thank you for my brothers and sisters who are in this room those who are watching those who are listening I ask your favor and your blessing upon them we thank you In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you this morning.